Hi, listeners. Welcome to Episode 3 of the Corporate Governance Capsule Collection with Pam Mark Gliese and me, Lisa Bieber, where we invite you to join us as we discuss what you need to know about the topics that are at the top of the boardroom and governance priority lists. Today, we're joined by Lori Goodman, an Executive Compensation and Benefits Partner in our New York office. We'll be discussing succession plannings, how companies should think about it, what they get right, and critically, what they get wrong. Let's get right into it. Pam, why don't I turn it over to you to get us started? Great. Thanks, Lisa. So over the years, we have had many conversations with clients about succession planning, and they have ranged from, is this important? Should I be doing it? Oh, gosh, I haven't started doing it. Is that bad? Maybe if we kick it off with this question, Lori, why is succession planning so important? Sure, Pam. Succession planning is important mainly because we want to avoid any unnecessary disruption or uncertainty um, for the company if if we can. If a key manager leaves or you know CEO or anyone towards the close to the top leaves, there there's a gap not only in leadership but also there could be a gap in the overall business strategy of the company, um, corporate culture, um, or other key functions of the company. Um, so we want to make sure that we're prepared for that. Also, right now, there's an incredibly um, significant focus by institutional investors on succession planning for, for a lot of these reasons. And employees are focused on it as well. And it's good you know, for employee morale and loyalty. It's important for them to know what's going to happen if there's a sudden change or a plans change. I agree, Lori. And in some ways, I think that there's also an aspect of this that encompasses enterprise risk management, that this is one of the risks that is definable, that it it is foreseeable that at some point you'll have a gap in your management structure that needs to be filled. And planning that in advance is a way that boards can show that they are attuned to the risks and satisfying their fiduciary duties. Um, But one of the things that we've been talking about, especially recently, is that succession planning has, has taken on a new life and a new fervor in the last six or seven months. What do you think has driven that change, and why do you think that is? Well, that's a really good point, Lisa. I think that one of the things that happened at the beginning of the pandemic is nobody really knew what COVID meant and what that could mean for the health of people. And I think that that really prompted folks to think about succession planning in a really urgent way if they had not otherwise done so because um, companies were worried that um, the management team were, frankly, just huge swaths of the workforce could be impacted by COVID. And so that really, I think, focused people's minds on this issue. But the other thing that I would say, and this goes a little bit beyond COVID, is that there has been an increasing focus over the last several years on um, human capital management issues, on diversity issues, on pipeline issues. And I think that that has also fed into the succession conversation because filling a vacant spot on your management team isn't something that you can easily do overnight. You can obviously go and recruit from outside of the organization, but I think companies also try to figure out whether or not there is someone within the organization that can be groomed to take over any given position. That really requires taking a look at the pipeline below the C-suite level and ensuring that proper training opportunities and promotion opportunities are available. And I think that 
over the last several years, companies have gotten much better and much more focused on this issue. They think have a much better sense of where the talent lies beneath the C-suite and frankly, probably more than ever are in a really good spot to do really thorough succession planning, at least as it comes to thinking about internal candidates. I'm going to follow that up with a question for Lisa. What do you think the key things to remember are when planning for the succession of key executives? There are three areas that we've identified as the top three issues that companies can get wrong when they're thinking about succession planning. There's a real opportunity here in terms of promoting the right kinds of people and showing your investors and other stakeholders that the board is really on top of these issues and with it. And so not having a dynamic process that evolves as the company evolves is a real miss from the standpoint of the board and a loss of an opportunity. There's a tendency to not spend sufficient time and rigor on these processes that it's something that comes up on the board agenda each year. And again, it gets treated sort of as a check the box exercise. The other thing I think that comes up is is turning a blind eye to the current weaknesses and vulnerabilities and failing to use the board evaluation process as a tool to inform some of the needs that the company might have. Each board should be looking at what the board and what management are doing really well and also where there are opportunities for improvement. And folding that feedback into the succession planning process makes for a really successful and dynamic succession planning process. And the last thing is there's an assumption still that other stakeholders aren't interested in succession planning. And what we've seen is, as Pam described, a real increase in the appetite for the information about succession planning, the thought process that boards put into it, and how the board and management view and use succession planning in their overall planning that needs to be communicated in a way that shows transparency and also reflects the values of the company. But when you're talking about communication, there's trickiness about internal and external communication and how much you should divulge and what you should say. And so what do you think the companies should communicate in their plans for succession and in their processes? So that is a really good question, Lisa. And I think that other than in very extreme and bespoke circumstances, companies don't go into a lot of detail with respect to succession plans, um, certainly not the identity of people they're thinking about who may take over various roles in the organization. But that doesn't mean to say that there's nothing that can be said about succession planning. I think that when it comes to external communications, the fact that succession planning at all is occurring, I think, is a very important piece of disclosure. I think that, as you were mentioning, there are a number of investors and other stakeholders who are increasingly focused on this. I think that we have heard from our clients that it routinely comes up in um, in shareholder engagement meetings. And so I think it is very important to communicate that the company is engaged in succession planning, does take it seriously, that it figures on the board agenda at appropriate intervals, and if something were to happen unexpectedly, that the company is prepared. Of course, depending on certain other circumstances, the external circumstances themselves can force the issue. So if you have a key person on the management team who is getting older, that will obviously lead to the question naturally. And so I think that depending on their circumstances, that will lead companies to get the question from all sorts of external constituencies even more frequently. I think that's right. And I think one of the key things, Pam, that we talk about a lot is the notion that companies should get credit for what they do. And there's a tendency for companies to 
assume that everyone knows that they must be doing succession planning, that it's a necessary part of a of a board's processes and for management to focus on. And so in that assumption, they don't actually just say that they're doing it. So that itself can be a really powerful statement. I agree with that, Lisa. I agree with that completely. I think that internally, some of the sensitivities are a little bit different. I don't think that companies are in the business of, you know, declaring who possible succession candidates are and declaring it to the workforce. Now, do I think that that's what should occur? But I think that being thoughtful about the pipeline and ensuring that at least there is a process for identifying possible succession candidates and making sure that they are being developed so that if ever something were to happen and um, somebody had to step into the shoes, they could do so quickly. And that really requires thought process. And it doesn't happen again overnight, and this could be months or years worth of grooming, but making sure that there is that redundancy that's being built up so that if something happens, the company can pivot quickly is really important. So again, I don't think here it's a question of declaring names or picking winners, because I don't really think that's the right way to look at it. I think rather it's in making sure that the company has a robust process. I also think that it's not also about picking one person because that the person that you may have chosen as a successor may him or herself decide to leave. And so that wouldn't be a great outcome. And so I think it's making sure that you have the right pool from which to choose with the right background and the right characteristics that if and when the time comes that the company is ready to react quickly. But even once you do identify the candidate and everything is ready to go, oftentimes the transitions can be a little bit bumpy. So Lisa, maybe you can start, Laurie, maybe you can start with this. How do you ensure a smooth transition to the new executive once he or she assumes the role? Sure. So, you know, of course, we hope that planning would have begun, you know, even before the new person is chosen. And so as soon as um, the initial executive notified people that he was leaving, hopefully there would be, again, not just the process of looking for a candidate, but the process of setting up an onboarding process for whomever that candidate would be. Um, and so once the person comes, they should, of course, be kind of introduced to everyone that they're supposed to be introduced to, you know, whatever appropriate meetings are, are doable in this environment, um, getting up to speed on internal policy and, and the culture of the company. Hopefully that, you know, kind of occurs during the interview process, but that should continue to occur in full force once the person starts. Often there is some sort of interim role or, you know, ideally there'd be some sort of structural support system if there's a gap in period between leaders. And sometimes the former CEO serves as an executive chair for a period of time um, or non-executive chair. Sometimes there are you know, other senior leaders who have interim responsibilities they would have for just a period of months until the new person gets fully up to speed. Also, you, the company should focus on the rest of the employee population and the other executives You know, when bringing in someone new especially if it's from the outside, but even if it's from the inside can lead to, you know, lack of motivation for other executives and employees if they think that they, you know, they should have been considered or if they're not happy with the change. So, you know, again, focusing on the internal communication plan and compensation, of course, that's another area that needs to be kind of always thought about if this person is being brought in at a level above others who have been there for a long time not only the compensation needed to recruit the new candidate is being considered, but also the effect on everybody else below him when they see the higher figure, which will, of course, be disclosed for a public company. So basically, I think that, you know, companies need to need to need to really be thinking about transitioning the new executive even before they've even before they've identified the particular candidate. Um, 
And, and once this new person begins, they should start thinking about their next succession planning. They should continue to succession plan for the future. And so one of the things that the new person is brought up to speed on should be training his team, identifying future leaders, helping him or her get involved in the process. Thank you, Pam and Lori, for the discussion today and to all of you for listening to us. We'll be speaking to all of you again soon.